Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by Longhorn Wealth Management Group. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. And guys, it wasn't pretty, but it was a 31-24 victory over Houston. Texas now number seven in the polls, but it came at a price. That price, of course, being Quinn Ewers' uh, injury. For those that aren't aware, what, which one of y'all want to update the latest on that? I'll let Jerry do this because he broke a little news yesterday. Yeah, I think uh, the first thing was when when Quinn's injury actually happened. It actually happened on the sack by Nelson Caesar in the third quarter when Nelson Caesar beat JT Sanders in pass pro. That's when the injury to the right side, uh, that upper rib area, shoulder area, actually occurred. Um, he tried he, – Continued to play through it. Uh, we talked about last night on the live stream. People, there may be a misinterpretation about Quinn out there. Quinn's played through a lot of injury, man. He had the hernia, sports hernia, tried to play through, had surgery, came back his junior year in time for the playoffs and state championship game, cracked a rib in the state championship game, played through that as well. So Quinn's a tough kid, man. He did not want to come out of that game. Then the hook, the, the hit uh, by David Uwigbu, uh, exasperated the injury, even though that was more of a left side. That just more exasperated the injury a little bit. Um, look, I was told yesterday it's it doesn't look like it's season ending. Um, and, and Quinn wants to play this year. I, I think we'll see what happens here in the next couple of weeks, where he's at, how he how he's feeling. Uh, but um, I I don't think the Quinn's plan is that was the way he leaves Texas. So we'll see what happens. I certainly hope that's not his plan. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest; that would be a that would be a bummer because uh, he's starting to really progress. Uh, he did have, uh, you know, the, the the Texas offense though. Jerry did sputter uh, for the middle two quarters uh, and uh, gave uh, U of H some life when Texas. I thought we were going to try to step on their throats, uh, and that's been a been a a, a, a common theme. Uh, two years ago, this game would have been a loss. Texas would have lost and given up 20 points in the in the third and fourth quarter. That's what it looked like to me was going to happen, but the team responded, showed a spine uh, on sat on Saturday and came back and won. So uh, I look, I feel like Texas finished this game, but certainly Quinn Ewers and other injuries are definitely the topic of the day. I mean, Houston, uh, Texas, they, they Jet Bush went out, Alfred Collins, Gavin Holmes. Ethan Burke was a big one. Ethan Burke was injured. I mean, you look at the the list right now, uh, on top of Ryan Watts and Jalen Catalan already being out, Jake Majors and JT Sanders nursing uh, ankle injuries. I mean, it it is a time of year where injuries are starting to really take their toll on the Longhorns. Well, and Sark will step to the mic around 11 this morning, and he'll, he'll have a laundry list to go through on this one. Um, somebody's asking about Chris Ross. I think that's a great question. No, no Texas media person has asked uh, Sark specifically about Chris Ross. Somebody please do that. He got twice or two chances every week if you're at those press conferences. Somebody ask about his status. Jeez. Um, especially now with Burke's injury. I mean, because Burke's not going to be healthy all year. You don't go down twice with the same left knee. You took the brace off Saturday. You go down twice. The second one, the knee actually gave out taking on a block, which is concerning to me because I hadn't seen the knee give out in a game like that. Uh, the play where he was hustling to the sideline earlier in the second quarter, 
he pretty much wrapped and rolled. Somebody rolled over him, right? That's going to happen in football. But a play where you're being blocked and that left knee just gives out and you're down on your knee, one knee, that that's we hadn't seen that from Ethan Burke yet. So that's gonna that's an issue, gonna be an issue the rest of the season. So hey, it'd be great to know what Chris Ross's prognosis is coming up here with five games to play because they need somebody to give them a presence off the edge, even if it's just two really quick steps and a tackle has to adjust, Bobby. They need something from the edge position in the rush game, especially Ethan Burke has three sacks, but we know he's not going to be healthy the rest of the year. Did Jade Barron suit up at halftime? I mean, I mean, he played after the halftime. I mean, so, um, and I don't expect him to be uh, healthy, uh, you know, 100% healthy here for a while either. Um, it, it, he did not practice all week. Um, they didn't plan on playing them, but then they're like, uh-oh, this isn't going well. They had to play him. That's not a guy who was healthy enough to truly play. That's like in the Cole Hudson sense, if Jake Majors had gone down again or DJ Campbell had gone down Saturday in that game, Cole Hudson would have been pushed into action before he was ready. So that's where things are at on um, uh, with Jade Barron. Uh, but, hey, Jamon Tapp's going to get some – he's going to get opportunities as an edge guy now. I think Jare Bledsoe, Bobby's going to get opportunities to rush the passer. Texas is going to have to create some pass rush somewhere, somehow to help protect their safeties. Well, you look at it and you talk about protecting the safeties. Uh, Pro Football Focus put this out uh, yesterday, Jerry, just to give you a, a sense of how poorly the Texas safeties were in coverage uh, on Saturday. Jaron Thompson, six targets, six catches, 68 yards, one TD. Literally no passes defended. No incompletions against Jaron Thompson. Yeah. Michael Taff, four targets, three catches, 58 yards, one TD. Oh, one inter interception there, too. Keaton Crawford, four targets, three catches, 49 yards. The only one that even, even barely passed mustard is Derek Williams. Four targets, two catches for 20 yards, zero touchdowns, one PBU. Um, look. The, the safeties, we can talk about it until we're blue in the face. Uh, right now, they are a problem for the Texas defense if the Texas defense cannot get a pass rush. That's yeah. just the reality of life. That's why a Ethan Burke becomes ex extraordinarily important. That's why uh, Jamon Tapp and his uh, future uh, means something. Baron Sorrell has to start getting after the passer. He gets getting keeps getting the, the other team's best tackle. Uh, in Houston's case, a really good one. A really good uh, one. We need to see more from him as well. The whole defense is going to need to step up uh, if they're going to want to realize their opportunity of getting into the Big 12 championship game, much less uh, anything uh, before that, including uh, BYU this coming weekend. That is a pocket passing team. Yeah, uh, and that is that is the saving grace this week for me is the, the court QB run game. Texas has spied a quarterback the last two weeks. They don't have to do that this week. Keaton Slovis has negative 250 rushing yards in, I don't know, what seems like nine years of college football. If that guy has a big day running the ball, then that, that's just bad, bad news. Um, but, uh, look, Texas does not have to prepare for QB run game unless BYU brings somebody off the bench, and then it's going to be in the press conference. I hadn't seen that before, so didn't know that was coming. And Slovis, you know, I'm not sure anybody would at that point. Uh, but Keaton Slovis is a pass first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and throw it out of bounds sixth quarterback uh, his entire career. 
Um, and that's the good thing for Texas. They don't have to spy on a quarterback. Interesting enough, BYU is a terrible offensive team. Their best thing they do is pass protection. They only give up 1.29 sacks a game, which is impressive considering he's a pocket quarterback and they don't have a lot of speed necessarily at wide receiver. Uh, so this could be what the doctor ordered for Texas defensively, or it should be. Offensively, I'm sure uh, that's a totally different topic because you're going to have a first-time starting quarterback in Malik Murphy. Arch Manning will be prepared to play this week. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it, it's going to be uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how aggressive Sark is with the playbook in this game after the script. Yeah, and here's the, the bottom line. B, BYU feasts on turnovers. And Texas is starting a new a new quarterback. Yeah. Um, Texas Tech started a new quarterback. I guess it was his second start this weekend up in Provo. BYU, or BYU turned him over five times. Yeah. Uh, so they they are five, the Cougars are five and two. They're only two and two in conference. Uh, but you know they went on the road and beat Arkansas. They've done some nice things this year so far as a team. But they are more that full team, not just right. a one sided. Uh, unit if they have a strength it would probably be their defense at this point yeah and they're uh and it's really that's going to be the to talk all week by sark and it'll be interesting to see you can't be conservative in your game plan but you do if you limit turnovers against byu byu's had trouble moving the ball on everybody this year and that's going to be that's going to be the whole i mean byu hadn't had over 300 yards offense in the last three big 12 games i mean they went to tcu and had 243 yards when they got blown out um, and they're not actually great stopping the run defensively either that's the thing their rush defense is ninth in the big 12 150 yards a game i mean their pass defense is 11th in the big 12 so they're not good on either side of the ball but to bobby's point They've been very fortunate whether they're creating turnovers um, or teams are maybe they've gotten had some luck on their side. Everybody needs some luck. Texas Tech's down to a third string quarterback. Jake Strong makes his first road start in Provo and Tech has five turnovers. And BYU has 12 first downs and 277 yards at home and wins by two touchdowns, which is not normal in college football. Um, same similar thing happened against Arkansas. They won. They won by, I think, uh, they beat Arkansas 38-31 and only had 280 yards of offense. Those There's a lot of things that don't match up, uh, but they're winning games. They are. I, I tell you what, um, BYU, and I'm looking at some key stats, uh, they are not necessarily great offense, but they do well in red zone. They're yeah. scoring 90% of the time in red zone, Okay. So they're doing pretty well there. Their their problem, issues their issues getting there, right? Yes, Bobby, it really it really is. I mean, yeah. so uh, I, I don't know what to say other than this. They're completing just fifty five percent of their passes. Yeah, opponents are completing sixty one percent. That would be that would look great to me and matter to me if Quinn Ewers was the quarterback at Texas on Saturday. Yeah, the 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 you know elephant in the room is. Not only we expect Malik Murphy to be the guy on Saturday, Jerry. That's not a question. No question. Right? Yeah. The question is whether or not um, he's ready. And what is, you know, it's great to, only, to give up a lot of yardage on the run, but what happens when you're facing a first time quarterback? So you add a guy to the box. That's right. To prove Malik Murphy can beat you. Well, then, all of, a sudden, yeah. then all of a sudden that looks uh, fundamentally different. 
so I, I would I would caution against that. I think the interesting thing will be <clears throat> like for Texas fans that maybe they've only seen Arch in the spring game. Um, I mean, Arch. Malik in the spring game. Uh, you saw Arch in the spring game. You're going to see both the rest of the season, I think, unless Quinn comes back. Um, but uh, it, it, for mo- people that haven't seen a lot of Malik, <clears throat> I want to I want to drive a point home today. He's a pocket passing quarterback. That is what he is. Now that doesn't mean he can't move within a pocket, but he is a pocket passing quarterback. So pass protection is going to be a premium Saturday in his first start. JT Sanders, you got to step up in pass pro. You got to help a first-time starting quarterback Saturday in pass pro. Okay, I mean that's the bottom line here. They're gonna the guys pass pro is going to be a premium in this game because what the last thing you want Malik Murphy doing in his first start is playing under a lot of duress uh, for a guy that's never seen significant action in a game. His first significant action in a game in college football was with 12 minutes to go Saturday at U of H. And Sark was not going to put him in a position to win or lose that game with his arm. So Texas ran the ball when they had to to win that game. This week, he's going to have to throw it enough. You can't just turn around and hand it off 55 times. That's not one. Sark is never going to do that. Um, But two, that's not how you're going to beat a power five team. So he's going to have to put the the ball in Malik's hands enough. So pass protections at a premium for me. Um, because he's got some gamesmanship. There's some things you like about Malik, but there's here's the reality. This, they, they came in and they overhauled his mechanics because he had a really long release. He, I think he tended to overstride a little bit. Um, so they've, they've kind of, he has such a strong arm that uh, they've, they've overhauled those mechanics. Now, this is the first time all that's going to be tested in real time is Saturday. So the key is to keep him from playing under duress as, as much as possible so he's comfortable and can step in the throws. If he's having to make a lot of off-schedule plays and start one, that's could, that could be an issue for Texas. <clears throat> Guys, we still have plenty to talk about before we even get to questions. But, Bobby, before we move on, I'm going to let you tell everybody about Longhorn Wealth Management Group. Yeah, thanks to John Donovan, president of Longhorn Wealth Management, as a sponsor of the show. John is a proud UT grad and certified financial planner. Longhorn Wealth Management provides total wealth management services to their fellow UT alums and employees and their respective families and friends. Uh, John has been proudly serving them for over 30 years. October is both Breast Cancer Awareness and Liver Cancer Awareness Month, so Longhorn Wealth wants to to remind you that bad things do happen to good people. So please plan ahead and let Longhorn Wealth provide you and your loved ones with the best in independent life, disability, and long-term care insurance solutions for your protection and peace of mind. To learn how Longhorn Wealth can help provide the most appropriate insurance protections and investment solutions for you, your family, and your business, give John and Longhorn Wealth team a call at 972 907-4900 or visit longhornwealth.net that's 972-707-4900 or visit longhornwealth.net we appreciate john's ongoing sponsorship of monday morning's coffee and football okay guys we have uh diamante tucker dorsey coming up here in just a minute like we do every monday morning but before we get to him real quick jerry i know you're heading out on the road this week but can you give us the latest on recruiting real quick? 
Yeah, yeah, I'm going to hit the road uh, um, after this show. I'm going to go up to Dallas-Fort Worth area, hit a few schools next two or three days. Um, so that, that'll be fun to report back on Inside Texas and on OTF about kind of uh, what who I talk to, what I, what I see up there in DFW. Uh, some interesting recruiting news this morning is K.J. Lacey can, uh, considering – uh, or is trying to schedule a visit to Texas this weekend for BYU. I spoke with a, a source close to that family this morning. They say within the next 24 hours, they should know if those plans are actually going to come together and, and he'll be visiting for the BYU game. I tend to think it might happen, but we'll wait to see until it's official. The key there is if he comes, Ryan Williams is somewhat expected to be with him on that visit. Now, Ryan Williams was at Auburn again this weekend where his father played college football, Auburn is not going to make that easy on Alabama or Georgia or LSU or Texas or anybody that thinks they can just flip Ryan Williams from Alabama. There's immense pressure on that kid to stay in the state of Alabama as he works to reclassify to 2024. But K.J. Lacey, uh, possibility um, uh, to visit this weekend. And if he does, there's a chance that Ryan Williams would make that trip with him. Um, I think some other. I think that the visitors list will build a little bit throughout the week. Uh, see some 2025s uh, come in this weekend for sure. I think the other one, uh, um, Bobby and I both are kind of hearing is uh, um, that you know Solomon Williams. I mean, some of these kids are going to get closer to decisions, right? And Solomon Williams was at Oregon last weekend. He's been to Texas. He's been uh, to Texas A&M twice this season. He's been to an official at Alabama. Alabama has been trying to get him back for the LSU game. Um, but this is, uh, uh, it's coming, it's coming to a head for Solomon Williams. That recruitment, uh, I think will be ending here in the next two or three weeks. Um, DeAndre Carter, the Auburn commitment out of modern day, the four-star guard. Um, I think Texas will know something on that. They, they could have already found out something late last night on that one, but I think mid by midweek in the week, I'm guessing, uh, it'll be known publicly. Uh, if if DeAndre Carter is going to stick with Auburn, or if that just get, started looking very good for Texas, so uh, we'll we'll we shall see there. But a lot of moving parts and in, in recruiting right now. Um, Texas still talking to Xavier Phil same at McKinney. We'll see if they can get him down for the BYU or Kansas State game. Okay, guys. Well, as I said, uh, we have our special guest as we do every Monday morning. And Bobby, I'm gonna while I bring him in, I bring him in. I'm gonna let you take it away. Yeah, absolutely. It's Diamante Tucker Dorsey, uh, Longhorn linebacker, former line, Longhorn linebacker a year ago. Uh, he's he's happy with the win, obviously, from this weekend. Uh, Tuck, I, I got a, a bundle of questions for you because it looked like there were some breakdowns on defense for Texas at times yeah. on Saturday. I have a question for you because Rod Babers, former Longhorn DB, talks with us here on On Texas Football all the time. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that that we wanted to talk about with you, since you're a linebacker, all of those drag routes that Texas got beat on over the weekend, wh- what's the responsibility of the linebackers there? Are they supposed to bump those guys as they come across? Or were they clearly looking for a run potential from Donovan Smith, the the, the Houston qu- quarterback, and just missed it? What What's the responsibility there, and where do you think the confusion hit uh, overall? Um, I can't speak to exactly what, like, I don't know what defense they were in or what, situ- like, it's different situations and different defenses call for different things. But in certain instances, there will be times where you pass it off. I think the one that hit across the middle when Jalen Ford kind of carried too much into the boundary, he's probably supposed to come off on that. 
Um, but then if we have a rover in there, it depends because he is now part of the vice between the wheel linebacker and the middle linebacker. So, I mean, it always depends, but I did see some of that stuff out there that kind of, uh, you know, probably should have been taken care of by the linebackers. But like I said, I can't speak to it exactly because I don't know what defense they were in. Uh, but, yes, that is uh, probably on the linebackers. Let me ask you this. I mean, it, it, it's interesting because uh, it's the second week, a second game in a row where Texas has faced a running potential quarterback, right? And two weeks ago, they really were bludgeoned by Dylan Gabriel's running. Donovan Smith, they did not allow him to do that, but he almost – he then just threw those crossing routes uh, as, he, as they cleared the middle. Is that a little bit you want the pass rush to get home sooner than what it was getting home, and that really caused a problem? Uh, I think he took what the defense gave him, and he made some quick decisions, and that's always – that's kind of what you want, keep the ball in front of you. You want them to throw it down. So if they're throwing drag routes, we'll, we'll take that all day. Uh, you know, we're kind of going to play a bend, not break type of style. So, I mean, if he's going to keep throwing drag routes, please be my guest. Uh, but I know we got to get them on the ground as soon as they catch the ball. That's going to be huge, you know, when they are doing certain stuff like that. Um, as far as running goal, I think they probably were expecting him to do a little bit more with his feet, but he did. Um, so some negatives and some positives out of that. Yeah, yeah, tough. I wasn't made in Norfolk, but I would take one of those shirts if you got an yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 I would wear that proudly, even though I've only been to the 757 on some recruiting trips. Hey, uh, a question for you. Pass yeah. rush up the middle. How important is that in affecting quarterbacks' vision timing when a team is really trying to attack the middle of the field against you, drag routes, the, the crossers that take a little time to develop? That pass rush up the middle is essential, is it not? Uh, yeah, for sure, because it's not only going to make him, his vision uh, blurry, but it's harder for him to scramble out. Um, especially if we got guys that keep contained, so it all works like a you know it all works together. So if the, you got guys that win up front, um, that's going to be that's in the middle. That's going to be really important um, to help everybody else out as far as the edges go and even the DBs because now he's a little bit more under more duress. Uh, so yeah, that's huge. All right, let me ask you this, Tuck. So we started off with the negative, like what what were the problems and how they can diagnose this. Let's switch, let's switch gears and go to the positive. Texas came back. The game was tied in the fourth quarter with seven and a half left. Mm-hmm. Texas got a great return from Keelan Robinson. Keelan Robinson was hit, I think, at the 25-yard line, guys. Spun out of it and got another 22 yards, put Texas in business yeah. at their own 47. That was yeah. a huge underrated play in this game. Yes. Okay. Texas then goes from there, and with one pass, they run it down the field on U of H. They had not been running that effectively all or really since the first quarter. Yeah. Um, so the offense did its job, went down there and scored a touchdown, not three points. Then uh, Will Stone gets a, gets, kicks the ball through the back of the end zone. Houston comes out. They hit a big play to start, a slant route to Matt Golden, 25 yards. Terrence Brooks was playing off, and it, it made him pay mm-hmm. uh, fairly quickly. But from there on, Texas forced two third downs, forced two fourth downs. Uh, I thought they were going to get him off the field on that first fourth down, and Donovan Smith just made a terrific play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I felt like the Texas team, and I've mentioned this elsewhere on, on Inside Texas as well, I felt like they showed a spine. Like they bowed up on both sides of the ball and in special teams 
all three phases contributed to that win in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, I think that it kind of shows the growth of the program because I think last year we might lose that game. Or in years past, we might lose that game. So it definitely shows growth in the program. But then you lose the starting quarterback, so that always changes kind of the morale for a little bit anyway. Uh, but then you got to get behind the behind the guy that's coming in, and I think Malik, you know, came in and did his best, and he's gonna he's gonna improve as you know Quinn gets to come back. So I'll be interested to see how that plays out. But yeah, I think it was a it was a good finish. Um, definitely not pretty, but a win is a win, is and wins are hard to come by. So you always want to you know appreciate those. But uh, yeah, I think it's definitely gonna take a lot of you know that that second half and that fourth quarter. It's gonna take a lot of that in these next couple of weeks. So. We'll see. You t- you mentioned uh, losing the quarterback. Uh, you you've talked about that being hard on a team. Is this a, a situation where it's it's going to be hard for Texas uh, since Sark's offense is kind of quarterback focused? Definitely not going to be the. It's not going to be as smooth as it was. You know, it's going to be a, it's a different it's a different challenge now, right? Um, but I think our rushing attack is going to help. You know, Malik be a lot more comfortable because you have to account for that, and our O line is been doing really well this uh this season so he's gonna be comfortable enough to make a lot of decisions and be able to do what he does so i don't really think it's gonna be too much of a worry but it is a different quarterback so you know timing has to get right uh but he practices every day it's not like he's not out there so um it's definitely gonna be a little bit different but uh you know it's gonna take an adjustment but i think this week we have a good challenge coming in with byu um but it'll be a good game to kind of see you know what are the, the 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 repercussions of you know Quinn being out? Hey Tuck, you you may be the only guy that can really speak to this that does interviews right now. Malik, what do you uh, you know? What do you see from him? I know he was injured a lot when you were there, but personality wise, I'm sure you had conversations with him. I'm sure you watched him mannerisms. What yeah. kind of describe Malik? Uh, his, maybe his talent that you saw from him, his personality, some of the things you liked about him for the Texas fans that are going to get to really know him for the first time Saturday. Great yeah. question. Uh, Malik, Malik has the it factor. Um, I think last year he just had to grow up a little bit, but, um, you know, just talking to him this year and seeing how he's moving a little bit different and, you know, his confidence is different this year. Uh, but he has all the tools. Like I said, he has the it factor. That's something that you want. Uh, great personality, fun guy. He likes to – he plays a lot. <laughs> but, uh, like I said, I think that was the step that he took this year from last year. He, he grew up a lot. And uh, I think finally getting the opportunity to show what he can do is going to really motivate him to, you know, go out there and perform at his best. And, uh, you know, I think we've seen a, a glimpse of it in spring game, what he can do. So I'm excited to see it. Kind of uh, uh, really happy for him to be able to get this opportunity uh, to go out there and, you know, show what he can do because I think it's a lot of question marks around it, and uh, he's going to get the answer all of them. Hey, if yeah, you're right. BYU as a linebacker, as a former linebacker, right, if you're BYU and you say, okay, this guy's making his first ever start against us Saturday. He's never really played that much. Was he attempted eight passes, guys, in his career? Mm-hmm. What do you think BYU will do to try to make life tough on him Saturday? Uh, definitely just blitz him early. That's probably the biggest thing. Like get him under, get him under pressure. Uh, don't let him sit back there and be comfortable and make quick decisions. Um, that's probably the biggest thing is DC. He's thinking we got to get this kid rattled. You know, it's his first game starting a lot of pressure on him. So yeah, they're going to blitz him. But I mean, he should know that too. Like he should expect that. So I don't really think it's going to be too much of a problem, but I mean, he's been playing football his whole life. You know, just go out there and do what you've been doing. You'll be all right. 
Uh, Tuck, what are the one or two things you saw from Malik that you think are really his strengths? Like uh, what, like as a player, it, obviously his arm is yeah. very strong. Uh, but what are the one or two things that you you think of, of him as a player that he has a strength? Uh, like I said, he just has that it factor, and he's a guy that kind of brings everybody together, and everybody wants to see him win because of his personality, and I think that's huge because he's going to have everybody behind him, so that's going to not only have confidence in himself, but everybody else going to have confidence in him, especially once he gets going, completes a couple of passes. It's going to be interesting to see once he gets rolling, you know, how far he can take it. Uh, so I'm really excited about that, and I think, like I said, the it factor is, is something. Man. But then also on the other end is he's a competitor, and he wants to win. He he wants to you know show that he is capable of doing that. So I think those two things kind of, and that's what you want in a quarterback, right? So I think those two things kind of give him a, a good boost and a good chance to be great. Interesting. It, it's it's interesting because I think his his, you know, you never want to see your starting quarterback go down. So don't don't want to yeah. say it, but. Of all the times that he could be going into a game, maybe this is one of the better ones because BYU has had has been susceptible to the run. BYU's offense is unlikely to make it some sort of shootout, yeah, right? Yeah. They, they, and, and so you're going to be uh, more about ball control potentially, as well as not making mental mistakes. Uh, is you know that's the one thing that I worry about with a young quarterback first start. You don't want to see him turn the ball over three times. You know, <laughs> yeah. one one time, shame on you. Second time, shame on me. Third mm-hmm. time, we got problems, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, that That's going to be something that the Longhorn fans are going to, and the coaches uh, in particular, are going to have to look, take a look at. Yeah, I don't see him turning the ball over too much. I like. <clears throat> I think he's so hungry. He's poised for this moment. He's ready for it. I don't really – uh, I don't really have too much worry about him turning the ball over too much. And I mean, we playing at home, gonna be a hundred thousand deep. He's gonna be fired up and ready to go. Um, and I think you know the difference between this year and last year is the quarterback situation is different dynamic. You know, last year when we had uh, you know Hud came in, he was it was a weird situation because he was a former starter and then kind of lost his spot, so he was coming back in like oh. You know, now it's time to go again. So mindset is different. Malik is licking his chops, ready for opportunity. Just wanting to show what he can do. So it's a completely different kind of dynamic. I think. And that's gonna, you know, like I said, the team's gonna be more behind him, and it's gonna be a better atmosphere, especially throughout the week. They're gonna prepare different. Um, they're gonna be encouraging them all week. So I think it's gonna be. I, I don't see it. I don't see it being bad, especially not, uh, you know, right now. So I'm excited to see how it goes. Hey, Tuck, last thing I have for you on my end is I always go back to the 2021 James Madison team with you because y'all <laughs> yeah. ranked really highly, right? Yes, sir. Y'all got y'all y'all lost to Villanova, right, by one point. Yeah. Then y'all came back and y'all played at Delaware, one by 12. And then you played uh, at William Mary, one by 10. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be games where you're pushed, right, on really good teams. Um, how does this team – handle Saturday uh, being pushed moving forward? Because you you guys had to as a highly ranked team with goals still in front of you. When I don't, I wasn't at those games, obviously. I don't know if y'all were on the ropes in either one of those games. But mm-hmm. just talk about that from a team standpoint. Man, it's funny that you say that. Because uh, at JMU, we kind of had the same kind of target on our best. But like playing at Texas, man, you're going to get everybody's best game. And it's a gift and a curse to play at the University of Texas because of that. Because – now you have to be at your best every time because everybody's circling your game on the schedule and everybody is 
saying if I play good in this game, I'm going to the NFL. Like it's like that. And um, I'm talking from experience, you know, because it was some games we had scheduled that I know if I played in good, that would look good for the long term. So you're going to get everybody's best game. And I think that's kind of the problem. I mean, it's a problem uh, because some teams you think, like me personally, I thought we should have blew them out, you know, but just remembering this is Texas, this is Houston, this is a big thing. They're going to make it out of it. The coaches' bulletin board material saying that, well, you couldn't go to Texas. They probably looked over you in your recruiting process. Like, it's just so much that go into it. Yes. Uh, that it's so it's uncontrollable, but you're going to get everybody best shot. And you have to make sure that you're mentally prepared to, you know, go out there and do your best every time and not really necessarily worried about being a target, but you got to be a hunter. And uh, so, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to really take that, you know, just taking on that mentality of, yes, we are Texas, embrace that. Let me show you what Texas football is about versus. All right, they got a target on our best. Let's just try to get out of here. No, we got to go in and dominate, go in the mentality to dominate and, uh, you know, prepare so that we can dominate. That's Diamante Tucker Dorsey, former linebacker, University of Texas, joins us each and every Monday on Coffee and Football. Tuck, currently a realtor uh, in the city of Austin with Keller Williams. Tuck. Go ahead. What was that? I said the best one. (laughs) There you go. The best one. All right, uh, Tuck, we appreciate you, buddy. Uh, Thanks for spending your time with us, and uh, we'll see you uh, next week, this same time, same channel. Yes, sir. See you guys next week. All right. Best of luck, buddy. That's Uh, Diamante Tucker-Dorsey joining us uh, at at the Coffee and Football. Hey, Blake, bring up Arch Mania's question at 844, because I want to make sure we talk about this a little bit and the differences there. I, so I think this is interesting because we kind of talked about this in the open. I know we have hundreds and hundreds of people join us as this show moves along. There's a big difference, and I'm not saying Texas go out and stuff BYU, but there's a big difference in BYU versus Oklahoma and Houston. Uh, BYU does not have the run threat at quarterback, or at least Keaton Slovis has never been a run threat in his existence in college football. Could they bring somebody off the bench? I can't say on that. Um, I'll go back and look at highlight videos of their second and third team quarterback and maybe their fourth team quarterback to see if they're going to throw something weird out there possibly. But from, okay, the starting quarterback, it's different because Texas has spied the quarterback each of the last two weeks a little bit. They don't have to do that this week. So that changes up what you can do in coverage. And it's going to, what it's really going to do for me, Bobby, it's going to change up that quarterback's vision. He's got to deal with another guy out there in coverage more than a spy. Uh, so I think it's totally different than the last two weeks for Texas defensively. He also, you also get more blitzes uh, yeah. from, the, from the corners and safeties whenever a guy can't necessarily evade out or get out of the pocket. That's the bigger piece to me, Jerry. Um, if that guy can't get out of the pocket, you know, we'll see how that, that goes. Yeah. All right, guys, we have so many questions. It's unreal. So let's just go ahead and jump <laughs> out of the film. Uh, what we'll, happens? We'll, yeah, we're going to start right here at the top from Space City Wrangler. Do you agree that Malik and Arch are ahead of where Quinn was going into last season? Um. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death 
in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook Games. No, no, not for me. I mean, well, Arch maybe. Here's the thing with Arch: Arch is pl- Arch played in a very similar system. They had some of the same checks and calls. It is at Or Newman. It's so when he got to Texas. <clears throat> All, all, he didn't have to learn an entire new system. There was something, there was some uh, comfortability, if, uh, if we want to use that word, for Arch. But that staff at Isidore Newman, obviously a big fan of Sark and what he does offensively. So they, you know, they kind of took a lot of that stuff and were using that offensively. Um, you know, Malik Malik came in to Texas as a guy that Texas had the, they were, that was a, I, I don't want to say project. Anytime you overhaul somebody's mechanics or you take a Jure Bledsoe and a Jamon Tapp who's very raw, you use the word project, let's just say a lot of development. I mean, when you break down somebody's mechanics and redo things, that's a total rebuild for a player. So Malik's gone through a much different process than an Arch would, would have coming out of high school than a Quinn Ewers did coming out of high school. So they come from three different places. Quinn didn't play in the same in an offense very similar to what Sark does at Texas because that's what Isidore Newman did. And that's not a knock on Riley Dodds. They're great staff. They just have a different offense. Um, so there was three totally different guys for me. Um, and it, it, Malik is always an interesting guy because anytime you take we talk about developing players, right? Dre Bledsoe, you got to have a pass rush moves. You got to develop pass rush moves. Then you got to learn to anchor against the run if you're going to be the NFL player that your talent says you could be one day. Uh, quarterback, anytime you do a mechanical overhaul, you just kind of go, you're just kind of go, wait. The big thing for me when you see guys in games then under duress is does that carry over to games, the, the overhaul mechanically? Or do you revert to what you've been doing since you were nine or 10 years old under duress? That's always the most fascinating thing for me with quarterbacks watching them play uh, because it's such a fine line of you don't want to take away what they've done to get them to that point, but you do have to develop those guys that need a lot of mechanical work. Uh, so that's that's the thing I'm going to be interested to watch for with Malik is uh, when he's under duress, which is inevitable Saturday, uh, are, is all the things they've worked on going to carry over to a game, or does he revert to that longer arm ball below the water where you get into some issues where, okay, it's going to take you a little too long to get that ball to what you see? Um, because that happened to him in high school, and that's been a big part of his development. I'm going to say, I'm going to just go counter to Jerry here. I, did, I, I think that Malik has had four practices. Uh, he's been, he was in the spring of uh, 2022. He was in the fall of 2022, in the spring of 2023, and now in the fall of 2023. Whereas Quinn Ewers had one 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 semester, basically at Texas. Um, the only question I would have there: uh, so is he more prepared than Quinn Ewers was? I think he was. I think he is. Um, is he as talented, or does he have the understanding of the offense? That's a different story. I think he's more ready physically prepared. I don't think Quinn was physically prepared uh, very well to play quarterback last year. Um, so that that's one thing. Arch Manning is a different story to Jerry's point. This is where I agree with Jerry. I think Arch 
is as or more so prepared to be the quarterback at Texas than Quinn was a year ago. So uh, it's not a bad question. I, I think Malik's a little further along um, uh, physically than, than Quinn, and I think that matters. I think that's going to matter because he'll hang in the pocket a little bit different, et cetera. He's taller. I mean, there's some physical value there to being a guy that can look over the defense. All right, guys, we got a super chat here from Terrell Hennigan. He says, is, it, is, safe, is safety going to the top of the portal list now? Yeah, uh, by the way, on this comment section, uh, you know, this quarter, this whole quarterback thing is going to get crazy. Guys, I'm not taking sides uh, on this stuff. These guys have to go out and do it. I mean, so I'm I'm giving you what I've seen in person. I'm I saw these kids in person. Malik went through a mechanical overhaul. If you don't think he did, go watch his high school tape and then watch him in the spring game. He went through a mechanical overhaul. I'm not attacking Malik. It's development. It's part of the process. All right, keep going. <laughs> it's ridiculous to think otherwise. Uh, well, I, I say it all the time. This is what people just don't understand with us. I mean, uh, some reason they think that we take sides within the team. And I, it we're about yeah. the, team, the name on the front of the jersey, not on the back. So it doesn't matter to us. Yeah. That's that's what you guys, hopefully you understand when, when we talk about this, we're talking about it from a Texas viewpoint, not from a Malik Murphy viewpoint, not from an Arch Manning viewpoint, period. Y'all, anybody that's trying to make it that just doesn't get it. As far as a Terrell Hannigan's question about the uh, the uh, safety moving to the top of the portal list, no. I mean, because I think Derek Williams is one. Um, I, I definitely think they may move some guys internally to safety this, this spring based on what we're seeing right now. Uh, they're going to have to uh, because what, what they have back there is not working clearly. Uh, but tight end and defensive tackle, guys, you've got to have – they've got to get a tight end. They've got to get uh, defensive tackles and defensive linemen if they're truly going to lose their top three defensive tackles to the NFL draft, which I would say this. I'm not sure Byron Murphy and his draft grade is going the right direction right now. I agree. I mean, it's okay, but it's it's not third or fourth round at this point, Not not based on the production we've seen. I got still plenty of uh, time to get your questions in, and there's a lot of questions to get to. But, Bobby, before we do that, I'm going to let you tell everybody about Homefield Apparel. Yeah, absolutely. Homefield is an interesting apparel group, guys, uh, that does some interesting designs. Uh, you've heard us talk about them before since the start of the season. Uh, there are a lot of collegiate apparel brands out there, uh, but we partner with Homefield because their designs are the best out there. Some of the on Texas favorites are the 1883. Vintage logo, home of the Longhorns ringer tee, and the baseball script tee. Uh, be sure to go to homefieldapparel.com, filter by Texas, and see what we're talking about. And our listeners get an exclusive deal. Use code ONTEXAS23. That's ONTEXAS23. It gets you 15% off your first order, the entire order. Uh, we know you're all wearing UT gear. So if you're in need of a refresh we really think you should check out Homefield Apparel. Their designs are unique, and a lot of thought goes into each and every concept. There's really nothing else on the market like what Homefield is doing. You can find them at homefieldapparel.com and use code ONTEXAS23 for 15% off your first order. I enjoyed that. I, I got the pair 
of shirts for me and my son, uh, the gray Roaring Bevo one. I uh, hope you guys enjoy these. Homefieldapparel.com on Texas for 23 for 15% off your first order. Okay, I definitely want to thank them. And let me get this going back. All right, we're back in business now. We got another super chat. This one from Fresh6473. He says, are there any whispers of disgruntled players not receiving enough playing time? John Tay Cook comes to mind. And when will we get that five-star receiver? I assume Wingo to Texas is a no-go. I think, of course, there are uh, disgruntled players not receiving enough play time. It's the case every single year. I mean, has there never not been a year where everybody's happy because they're getting enough playing time? Jonte Cook does come to mind because he's one of the more talented ones not getting a lot of time. And he's proven that he can do some things when he's in the game. Uh, That being said, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Take Xavier Worthy off the field? It's hard, right? It's hard when your best player, one of your better backups is playing in one of the better, one of the positions that your better best play, one of the best players you have is that. Uh, However, is that rampant across the team? Is that feeling rampant across the team? The answer is no. These are one-offs, anomaly type things. It's not by and large. You don't have that when your team is six and one. If Texas was three and four right now, you would hear it a lot louder, right, Jerry? I mean, this yeah. that happens on with teams that, that don't have it. You can answer the Wingo Carey uh, question as well, Jerry. Well, I mean, as far as five-star receivers, Xavier Worthy was ranked as a five-star receiver by, by on three coming out of high school. Jontae Cook was a... Uh, on three cons- uh, industry ranking five-star receivers. So Texas assigned a couple of five-star receivers already under Sark. Um, so they have not, it's not like Sark's been here three years and they haven't signed a five-star wide receiver. They have. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, they're all in on Decorian Moore in 2025. Uh, Ryan Williams may be on campus this weekend. That would be a tough one, in my opinion. I think there's immense pressure to stay in the state of Alabama, but we'll see what happens there. Hey, guys, we got another super chat. Uh, This one from Guy McPhail. Thank you, Guy. And he wants to know if y'all can address Coach Venable's major rebuilding job comments about Texas. I personally haven't seen him. I haven't even had a chance to look for him yet, but I don't know if y'all have or not. I think he may be speaking to Coach Venable on Inside Texas, who posts. I think. Just say, uh, Guy, Guy, come back and and say specifically, because if it's Venable, Coach Venable's is, is leading people down a different path, I think. All right, we'll come back. We'll circle back around to that one, y'all. Okay, let's see here. We got one from Kyle. Kyle says, the Texas front seven is nailed against the run but disappears in pass rush. Why do you think that is? They don't have a pass rusher. <laughs> who, who is it? Is it Ethan Burke and uh, Anthony Hill? I mean, because those are the only guys that are twitchy up front like that. I mean, I think, I, I you know, for my taste, I mean, Tavondre Sweat's been the best interior pass rusher at this point, even better than Alfred Collins, although Alfred has more sacks uh, because at least Tavondre's pushed the pocket. Uh, Alfred gets by with quickness. It's just a little bit different. Um, I think this is a fair question. Uh, you know, there's we talked about it a little bit last night. There's got to be some give and take here. Why not put Maurice Blackwell on the field more and take one of your down linemen off in past situations uh, and use him with either David Benda or Anthony. I mean, that may be what Texas needs to do going forward a little bit. Um, 
give up a little bit more in the run to get a little bit more speed on the field, to get a pass rush, to, to be able to cover people better. Uh, going four down may not be the way that Texas needs to go uh, moving forward, but uh, we've seen uh, Pete Kwiatkowski be reluctant to move away from that. Um, there's a, a question I think we need to uh, address here. Um, Zane Petty at 858. Yeah, he said, Sark told the TV crew Malik in his time at practice last week with injury. Do we know what he's dealing with and should we be concerned? Uh, don't, yeah. spe- don't, should be concerned. Don't specifically know. Uh, but to that point, um, you know, we had been, we'd reported inside Texas that uh, Arch had been getting more second team reps leading in the last two weeks. Um, and, you know, obviously Malik's been dealing with something. He's missed, he missed a lot of time. Uh, with the foot, so uh, I don't. I've not been told he had anything recurring with that, though. Uh, and then Guy McPhail did come back from the super chat and said, "Yes, uh, Coach Venable comments on Inside Texas." Yeah, so we have on Inside Texas. Just to clarify this, on Inside Texas, um, uh, we have a coach named Coach Venable that posts every Sunday on uh, kind of a recap of his thoughts of the previous game and other other pieces. So it's no relation to. He's a former high school coach in the state of Texas. He's no relation to Britt Venables, uh, the Oklahoma coach. Uh, Jerry, did you read that uh, yesterday? I had, I've not had a chance. I will. Okay, yeah, I, I did. I, look, I think that I think that it's Texas was in a, ba- a worse spot than people realized when when Steve Sarkeesian took over. It was in a ba- bad spot mentally. The talent wasn't there. The speed wasn't there. Uh, Tom Herman um, won a lot of ball games, but he won them close. He played games close. That was his MO. It wasn't necessarily to go out there and dominate, even though that's what he said it was. He wasn't, he wasn't building a team to that category, right? And so I get it and I, I'm in agreement with it. So that's well, and, and I think and I think the important uh, important part to that is um, you know, Sark and his staff came into Austin and the numbers were out of whack at some positions. And so you have to, when you start rebuild, I think sometimes we just think of rebuild. Um, okay, we got to go sign top five classes, but you also get have to get some number adjustments in your roster at positions. I mean, there, for Sark, there were way too many wide receivers on scholarship. And if you've watched Sark's uh, coach at Alabama or coach at Texas, he he's out trotting out eight receivers in a game. I mean, Jontae Cook is the fourth receiver, and he got a few snaps at Houston Saturday. So that is where they've had to rework a lot of numbers. Offensive line numbers were depleted, right? I mean, so they've had to rework numbers as well at certain positions. Um, and I and I do think we'll start to see a, a Texas attack numbers at pass rusher. They have to get it solved. I mean, I think that's why Colin Simmons was the must-get recruit for me in 2024. And he's an early rollie. He's still going to be a freshman in college football. But there's nobody on the roster that has that natural – edge pass rush ability anthony hill can rush the passer but he's also he's played linebacker his whole life colin simmons this is what he's done i mean he is an off the edge explosive player and that doesn't mean you don't have development to do physically he does but he's going to come in as a guy that he's going to get a sack or two early in his career and the other defensive coordinators are going to say we got this guy has to have a little special attention from us I'm not sure Texas has one of those guys right now. I don't think they do. Anthony Hill, maybe, but he's playing linebacker. Yeah. 
All right, guys, this next question comes from Zane, and it's actually been asked by quite a few people. Uh, if Malik or Arch have success and Quinn comes back, does he automatically get the starting job oh, back? Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Yeah, that that's – he would be you're, – you're talking about a Wally Pip situation, and I don't think that's going to happen, no. uh, not with either Malik or Arch at this point. Um, what it may do is it may allow longer rehab for – uh, for uh, Quinn, if uh, Malik and or Arch play well together, uh, the the reality of it is though, I mean, after BYU, Texas has Kansas State, and we need to talk about this, guys. Yeah. Kansas State absolutely obliterated, obliterated TCU. Yeah, forty-one to three. I watched the game; had it recorded. Uh, you know, TCU couldn't do anything on offense with Josh Hoover quarterback. First game, we understand that. But, boy, I, I tell you what, the K-State offense is on a roll. They are running and throwing with two different quarterbacks that bring two different styles. It was as good a performance from any Big 12 team that I've seen all season, with perhaps the exception being Texas at Alabama. I mean, yeah, that's I mean, how good, that's how complete the win for Kansas State was over TCU. I mean, they beat – they beat TCU from jump, and it was dominant. I'm not so sure that K-State right now isn't the best team playing in the Big 12. And that, so keep that in mind. I mean, I, 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 would, I would pick K-State to beat OU right now for sure. Uh, I think Texas at home is a little bit different. Uh, uh, K-State, no, you don't play each other, though. So I got, I got bad news for U of H going to K-State this weekend. K-State had 343 rushing yards. In 39 minutes time of possession against TCU. They're they're done. I, I'm just gonna tell you right now, with the with the addition of Avery Johnson at running back or at quarterback, he's an option quarterback, giving them an option look as well as a guy that can throw and run. I mean, he's a that dude can run the football. He's a lot like Colin Klein from a runner, but a much better passer, natural passer, even though he's a freshman. Well, Bobby. They've got something cooking in Manhattan right now. I don't know that they're gonna. Their defense isn't strong. I want to say that they're they're not weak, but they're not. They, what got, they, they got issues in the secondary, which in two weeks is Texas going to be able to take advantage of. Exactly, and so I I don't want to look too far forward, but that's going to be a tough one for the Longhorns. Hi, Bobby. Talk about Kansas State playing two quarterbacks. That leads me to this next question from Christopher Weatherford. He says, "So, gents, is there any way we don't see both quarterbacks this week?" Yeah, I mean, if 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 it's a tight game and Malik's playing reasonably well, if Malik does indeed start, I, I can see that. I mean, look, you're going to take him out if it's 17 to 17 in the fourth quarter. I don't think you're going to just be giving away possessions to get somebody else to try. Here's the now, question: maybe they, maybe they figure it out early, but that would be surprising to me. Here's the question, Bobby: knowing that. Malik is now one – Malik is one hit away from Arch being, I mean, the guy. Do you think Sark has to play both Saturday to get them both a little bit, even to get a series? I, I there think are no mandatories. Those are probably some interesting conversations being had in Austin, right? Yeah, I don't – I don't agree. I don't think – I don't think he has to do it. Those aren't mandatories. I think right. you coach every game to win. Uh, I don't think you come in and say, oh, well, let's get – this isn't a preseason game. The The season is on the line, ostensibly. 
because you you want to try to get back to the Big 12 championship game. And I don't think you can afford a uh, uh, another loss, given the fact right now that there are four teams that have uh, either zero or one loss in the Big 12, and not everybody plays one another. Yeah. Um, and so you mix all that together. I I think every game matters. So I don't think you can play. I don't think you can play that way. All right, Bobby, before we move on to some more questions, I'm going to let you tell everybody about Longhorn Wealth Management Group. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks to John Donovan, president of Longhorn Wealth Management Group, for his sponsorship. John is a proud UT grad and a certified financial planner. Longhorn Wealth Management Group provides total wealth management services to their fellow UT alums and employees, as well as their respective family and friends. John's been doing it for more than 30 years. October is Breast Cancer Awareness and Liver Cancer Awareness Month. So Longhorn Wealth wants to remind you that bad things happen uh, to good people. So please plan ahead and let Longhorn Wealth provide you and your loved ones with the best in independent life, disability, and long-term care insurance solutions for your protection and peace of mind. To learn how Longhorn Wealth can provide the most appropriate insurance protections and investment solutions for you, your family, and your business, give John and the Longhorn Wealth team a call at 972-707-4900 or visit longhornwealth.net. That's 972-707-4900 or visit longhornwealth.net. We appreciate you, John. Uh, oh by God. the way, uh, real quick, Colton asked, I don't have the Manscaped read, but, uh, you know, I, I kept it for you guys. <laughs> I kept it for you guys. There it is. Uh, on, on the road, on the road, and it's going with me. <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> All right. let's see here we got so many questions in such little time so i'm going to try to pick out and get to as many as we can fresh 64 73 says jerry on a scale of one to ten how difficult is it for a true corner to convert to one of the safety positions i think uh early in career very difficult I, but here's the thing i, I think uh I think it's a safety is a very instinctive position for me. I, I really do. I think uh, safety, linebacker, running back are very instinct. Quarterback, obviously, that's that's different conversation. I think they're very instinctive positions. I I think you can learn, kind of like learning uh, to be a point guard. You can run an offense as a safety. You can make the calls. Uh, if you're a heady football player, uh, you can put yourself in the right positions. But reactive, instinctively. To something to me is two totally different things. Um, so that that to me, I think it's difficult early in a kid's career that's only been a corner. Uh, but I don't think it's out of the question that that guy can be a really good safety down the line. He may not be as uh, the level of safety as it's just a natural, instinctive safety that sees it and reacts to it just naturally, like a running back does, like a linebacker does. I think safety's in that equation with those two positions. I'd be interested to hear Bobby's thoughts on that as well. Um, it, it's not a natural move for anybody to play that, that position. I don't think there are some people that are more, have a, a different view of it than others. I like safeties who've played quarterback back in the day. Too. That, that, that gives them a sense of what's going on. Not many cornerbacks coming out of high school have played quarterback as well. Um, and so, uh, I look at that, um, I do think it's probably easier, Jerry, to move from star or nickel to, to safety um, because you're more aware of other coverages and reliant on 
communication of other people at that position. Whereas, frankly, at corner, you have one call, right? And at star, you can have multiple issues that you have to realize pre, pre-snap. And yep. safety is like that a little bit. So I, I think it's easier to move from star to safety. So, like, I could see while Jade Barron moved from star to cornerback because of need on Saturday afternoon at the very last one when both Gavin Holmes and Ryan Watts not available – um, he moved to he moved to corner. I could actually see somebody like Jade Barron uh, moving to safety fairly. I wouldn't say easy, but easier if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, somebody's asked about Jordan Johnson Rubel, uh, midterm graduate from IMG, the uh, four-star Texas commitment. Uh, now he's the guy that I think has the instincts and the eyes to play the position. I think it's going to be very interesting to watch his development. Uh, when I went down the IMG in the spring, um, the head coach, Billy Miller, and his staff talked about how he was just one of the very best players, football players, pure football players on a team of 30-plus Division One guys. Um, so I, I think it's him being coming in uh, for spring practice is going to help him uh, get ready to make possibly make an impact. I saw I saw Jordan Johnson rebel in person at Lipscomb Academy, that game up here early in the season, Jerry. Um, he is a better prospect than, say, Jaron Thompson, mm-hmm. just to give you an idea of what I think of him. Um, uh, we go back to this and, and just how poorly uh, the stats came out for the Texas safeties. It, for those of you guys just joining us, I want to read this to you from Pro Football Focus. Jaron Thompson on Saturday was targeted six times, gave up six catches for 68 yards and one touchdown. That's six for six for the opponents. Michael Taft. Three, uh, four targets, three catches, 58 yards. So one TD, one interception on him. Okay. Keaton Crawford, four targets, three catches, 49 yards. So those three safeties, uh, if you're looking at targets, 14 targets, 12 receptions. So 12 of 14 and two touchdowns. And over 170 yards. Yeah. And then you look at the, the outlier here, if you want to call it an outlier, is Derek Williams, who was targeted four times, uh, was caught a pass on twice for 20 yards, uh, but had also had a pass breakup. So the numbers right now are not looking pretty for the Texas safeties, Um, whether that's personnel, scheme, uh, lack of a pass rush, lack of help from the linebackers dropping well. uh, We don't know. But the numbers in particular, the safeties, not pretty. Blake Gideon's groups right right now is struggling. No doubt about it. All right, guys. One person that didn't struggle too much uh, was CJ Baxter and UT Ten Rocks two thousand five says, "What's y'all thoughts on Baxter's performance this past weekend?" I think Texas is getting closer to having that tremendous one-two running back combination that we thought they were going to have at the start of the season. Um, I, you know, I, I think, look, I mean, Jonathan Brooks, again, 28 touches, I think Saturday, eight receptions, 20 runs, probably a couple, three, four more than they would ideally like if Cedric Baxter keeps coming on, you start to get in that area. Okay. Baxter, what had seven carry six carries and three pass receptions. I think it was maybe had four, I think three. So he had nine touches. So if those guys combine for 37 touches in that game, I think you get closer to that Jonathan Brooks, 2021, uh, Cedric Baxter 15 range. I think that's, I think Texas wants to have that two headed monster running back. And I still think that's important guys, Bobby Blake, because look at the injuries 
I, uh, Jonathan Brooks is a very good player. Do we ideally want him touching it 27, 28 times um, a game? I don't know. He's not built like Ricky Williams. That's a tough ask uh, for guys. It's a physical, fast game these days and a lot of tackles in the in open space. I want to, I want to add this. Uh, the appearance of Savion Red changes that running back room a little bit too. Yeah. Um, so you're taking away potentially three to five carries a game for Jonathan Brooks and or Cedric Baxter. Um, so be aware of that. I think that may be something to, to concern yourself with, too. Yeah. Great point. Okay, we have a question here from Gregory McFadden. Will Cook, Moore, and Nayor get more burn for chemistry purposes, being they run the twos and threes with Malik and Arch? I think that's a good point because he looked really simpatico in the spring game with DeAndre Moore. I, I, I don't think so. I don't think it'll matter. Uh, but I, I will say this. I mean, I remember Mac Jones coming in for Alabama when Bryce Young was injured. Or was it Bryce Young or uh, Tua got injured? Yeah. Uh, Tua, I think, got injured. Tua. And uh, Mac Jones came in, and he immediately had a connection with John Mechie more so than he did the higher-ranked receivers yeah. because he had uh, been playing with uh, the uh, Alabama wideout in scout team. So that, that's a decent question. I don't, I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. Good question, though, no doubt. All right, this next question, guys, is from Champ Bailey 3. He says, the first quarter of the Texas game was some of the best Texas football. Yes. But another, like Baber said, Coach Steve shows up and blows a big lead. Help me understand why Texas can't sustain the success. I, th I thought that was uh, – I thought that game was interesting because um, being there uh, for the first half of that game, which was really what caught your attention, is – Texas looked tremendous going up 21-0. Obviously, U of H started making defensive adjustments after they said. It was almost like the Alabama game a little bit in redo for me <clears throat> because A.D. Mitchell caught that first touchdown. This was only a 15-yard play, but you could tell Texas had some things in the passing game. And, they, and, and that was a long throw Quinn made to that uh, far outside uh, uh, edge of the end zone to A.D. Mitchell. Then the throw – to Worthy down the right sideline. It's like U of H said, whoa, we're about to get the hell beat out of us. This can't happen. And then they changed up defensively. Um, and at that time, I, being there, U of H didn't have much hope. It didn't look like to me. That didn't look like a team that believed they were going to win that, be in the game 21-0. Um, then then when it, that, that touchdown drive where Texas had like seven second team third team guys on the field after holding U of H to maybe 23 yards at that point, U of H got a little life, a little hope, right? Then you start to get into the situation where the fake field goal didn't work. Then you get into the situation where, okay, the quarterback's comfortable. You're, you're getting some pressure, but a not, not enough pressure to affect his thinking, his progressions and what U of H is ideally wanting to attack uh, Texas with. And, then it kind of snowballed, and U of H started to believe. And once a team starts to believe, those games change. I, I'd said that game reminded me so much of being at an NCAA tournament basketball game. The runs, the belief wasn't there. Then when that belief gets up, you know, it, it, it's like, okay, it, it just goes to another level when you're playing a highly ranked team when you start to believe. I would guess without being at the UCF-Oklahoma game, it was the same exact thing for UCF, even though they were in that game the whole way, partially because Oklahoma missed a couple of field goals in the first half that kept it really close. 
Uh, interesting. All right. Uh, it looks like Blake, guys, has uh, has been uh, uh, zapped. Uh, his computer is frozen up on him. So hey, hey Bobby, I think we need to go over this. Charlie, can y'all recap everyone who's injured? I think that's a great question maybe for us to end on today before Sark's presser at 11. Sorry, we talked about Quinn. Um, a D-line, Ethan Burke, obviously left knees an issue for him. Um, and I think that looks like it's going to be an issue throughout the rest of the season. He That left knee just kind of buckled, gave out on him enough to where he was down on the knee. That wasn't what you like to see for a guy that just got out of a knee brace. Alfred Collins was on the field after the game, sung the eyes of Texas with the team, seemed to be okay. We'll, we'll wait to see what Sark says um, on that. Jet Bush, lower right leg. We'll wait to see what Sark says on that today. Could have been a hamstring around the knee, could have been – Lower than that area. We'll wait to see. Uh, he did not return to the game. We'll wait to see what Sark s- says there. Uh, linebacker, I think Texas is pretty good at. Secondary, I mean, I you know, I don't even know what to say. Uh, Jalen Callon didn't make the trip. Jade Barron, they didn't play in the plan, but they had to play him. He's got that lower uh, the foot toe issue right now. Ryan Watts warmed up before the game. I watched him move in warm-ups. Looked okay, but obviously they did not think he was ready to go. Gavin Holmes got injured in the game. Uh, they walked him back to the locker room the same time they did Alfred Collins. I think the reports should be okay for Gavin Holmes. Terrence Brooks, I believe, got a little bit of a stinger. He made a really good play. Got a little bit of a stinger. Am I leaving anybody out in the secondary? Is anybody left, Bobby? Yeah, I mean, you did. Terrence Brooks, you said, Gavin Holmes, Ryan Watts, Jade Barron, Jalen Catalan. Just to be clear, <laughs> that's four of your five starters. Yeah that are have some sort of injury or nursing something in the secondary uh, at the offensive line. Jake major still uh, has an injury. Cole Hudson, Cole Hudson. Yep. Uh, returning as well. We think Cole is going to be further along this week. Uh, we hope at least uh, JT Sanders still nursing his foot. Thankfully Cedric Baxter looks, looks to be back. We, we've go. had some questions about Colton Vosick with the injury to uh, Ethan Burke. We haven't, I haven't seen him suit out this year. So he's yeah. got, he's had some ling- He's had some nagging injuries. Uh, late in the spring and early in fall camp, uh, he, he he would have to suit up and start uh, uh, making some uh, going through warmups before we could even comment on that. All right, guys, we've got time for just another question or two. Uh, we have a super chat here from Chris Harrington, which I'm hoping y'all didn't do while my computer froze. No. But he said, okay. He said, Texas pulled out a win and overcame some serious adversity. I love this team and how they respond. The culture has changed. Glass half full. Hook on. Look, that's what Tuck said too a little bit. In previous years, would they have potentially uh, uh, would they have potentially lost that game, Blake? And yes, is the answer. Uh, but the offense went down the field. Keelan Robbins got the good return. The offense went down there and scored. Then the defense held. I mean, look, you're going to play four quarter games. Rod believes, and I agree with him, that there's a lot of parity in college football. I mean, UCF is 0-4 in the Big 12, okay? 0-4, Central Florida. At OU on Saturday, they lost 31-29 to and because they had a two-point conversion go wrong with one minute left in the game, okay? There is more, you know, what I would call parity, but really it's about everybody having better players that if you don't have a great day or a great game plan or come out sharp, they're good enough to bite you. It's not parody like the NFL where everybody has great players. 
it's a different kind of parity where it's an execution parity, uh, in my opinion. And so uh, that's that's the way I look at it. But I do yeah, agree, Chris. I mean, and, and I think also and, I, I talked to somebody inside the building yesterday. Six and one is a hell of a lot better feeling than five and two. Yeah, I can tell you that much. That that's the feeling how that one goes. I, I think the toughest thing for college football coaches right now. And I say it's tougher for football than basketball because basketball has 13 scholarship players on the men's side, right? But football, you have 85 scholarship players. The portal and NIL day and age combined. Man, you have to be. That's why being genuine is so important to really hold your team together through adversity because there's so many new faces every year, whether it be high school and portal. These guys, this isn't guys that have played together now for four years on a college team and know each other's personalities. And that staff absolutely knows how all these kids react and how different they are in team meetings. That's that's learned more quicker nowadays. But when that adversity hits, man, that's why I think having a genuine coaching staff, they everybody's got warts. Maybe Nick Saban doesn't, but everybody has warts as coaches and staffs. But man. Being able to be genuine with your players, kids are going to get upset. They're young, right? But you being able to keep that thing together when times are tough, I, I think is so much more difficult now in the portal and NIL day and age. All right, y'all. This is going to be the last question for today. Fresh 64-73. Do y'all believe that the Texas Rangers will win game seven and win the World Series? Wait, which which eye of Max Scherzer is going to show up, the brown eye or the blue eye? <laughs> <laughs> if the blue eye shows up, I think the Rangers are going to win. I have no clue, man. This series, <laughs> I, I would almost go with the Rangers because it's, at, it's, at, it's in Houston. Yep. I mean, geez. These teams can't win in their home turf for anything. You know, somebody's going to have to defend something. Hey, if you're you know, an Astros fan, how about the intentional walk? How about the intentional walk to Alvarez yesterday to put a guy on second base? Yeah. How about Dusty Baker and his? I don't even know what that decision was in the eighth inning to go with John Singleton over either Yiner Diaz who actually got a hit off of LeClerc the previous game and or um, Chase McCormick. If you're, if, you, if you're an Astros fan, you want to hear trash cans banging in the dug, in the dugout today. <laughs> it was just really ridiculous. It was bad, bad form, in my opinion. Man. Bad, yeah. bad call by Dusty, who's a Hall of Fame manager, apparently. So... <laughs> oh man well i don't know like like we said nobody's wanted home i can see it going either way i just i've had enough baseball heartbreak this weekend i, I can't take another one tonight so i'm, I'm hoping the rangers but you never know. i'll All say right. this go, go strohs on my part i'm a houston native gotta say it <laughs> All right, Bobby. Well, before we get out of here, let everybody know what they can expect on On Texas Football later on today. Yeah, I've got the, the lunch with the coach coming around 1130 today. That should be fun. Uh, Brian Irwin uh, got a chance to talk with, are going to get a chance to talk with him. I know he's got some stuff he wants to talk about, short yardage and goal line. Uh, also, uh, want to talk about uh, the uh, show coming up with Jerry and Rod Babers tonight called Talking Ball. And then, of course, visit us online each and every day at InsideTexas.com. InsideTexas.com is your source for Longhorn football and recruiting news. If you don't have a subscription, you should uh, visit us there. Uh, promo code OTFIT23. 
OTFIT23 gets you uh, two months of Inside Texas for just $1. And you can't beat that at all. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Coffee and Football. We want to thank Longhorn Wealth Management Group and Homefield Apparel both for sponsoring today's show. Thank all of you for tuning in. It's been a very exciting, fun show. Lots of questions. Sorry we didn't get to all of them. There were just so many. But we'll be back same time, same place. Tomorrow. Hold on. Ralph Neely asks who I have. He won't let me get out of here. I'll take the Astros tonight to break the curse. I'm the home team's losing. <laughs> oh, man. All right, guys. Oh, David Williams wants you to say hook them at the end What's of the up? show. <laughs> so, but, yeah, thank you all for tuning in. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. Ring the bell so you're notified anytime a video is posted on On Texas Football. And for Bobby and Jerry, I'm Blake Monroe, and we will see you tomorrow morning. Ralph wanted the pick. He didn't want the pick. <laughs> <laughs>